What's good, people? It's your boy CZ here, and this is an episode of the Hybrid Club. Hope you're good. Um, episode 50 to be uh, correct, which is fantastic. It's a great feeling. Love doing these. Um, yeah, you know to find us on the socials at the Hybrid Club and me. You know to find me at CSAs, C E A S E S A Y S. Look, had a convincing win against PSV at the Emirates on Thursday. So now we traveled Southampton in the Premier League on Sunday. Um, win, we retain our, you know, top spot, four points clear, top of the league. Um, what else is to say? Look, we beat PSV to continue our October run and it now looks incredible. 1st of October, Tottenham, win. 6th of October, Glimpse win. 9th of October, Liverpool, win. 13th of October, Glimpse win. 16th of October, Leeds, win. 20th of October, PSV, win. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good month. So let's uh, long may it continue. And look, when you consider how what's going on around the rest of the league, it's even more important. You know, we saw uh, Chelsea drop points against Brentford um, this week. Earlier this season, they, you know, dropped points against Southampton, who we will be playing. United um, took points off Spurs. Um, always a weird one watching two teams you can't stand play against each other because you just want them both to lose, but you know they both can't. The idea of a draw means both of them get some points, which is unpalatable. Um, you know, Uniting winning, gross, Spurs winning, even worse. So, I don't, you know, you never really... But I think realistically, when you look at how the recent seasons have gone, Tottenham are the ones that you need to to, to get over. You finish above Spurs, you're getting in the top four. So if, I, if from that logic, and just because, you know, it's Spurs, if any team has to lose, always Spurs. Um, so, yeah, this week we see Chelsea play United. So, again, opportunity for one of the two teams trying to buy for a top spot, top four spot to um, dropping points, maybe both of them, um, if they if they share the points in the draw. City have a tricky game against Brighton, but realistically you expect them to win that, particularly with the Terminator up front. Um, Spurs are playing Newcastle, and Newcastle look good. Statistically, they're playing like a team who's going to qualify for Europe in some some fashion so with the way spurs play and how well newcastle are doing you would expect a tricky game for tottenham but you know with some of the players they have they are able to pull a win out of nothing when they don't deserve it so you know it is what it is um and as, as for newcastle i do think their ascendancy is going to happen happen quicker than people think it looks like they're not going you know the route that the likes of sort of qpr and teams like that when it looks like they're being a lot more sensible with their approach, building the foundations within the club in terms of the infrastructure and their people at the club. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they, um, yeah, if they show up quicker than expected. But all that means is when we have an opportunity like the one we are seeing evolve over the course of the early part of this season, it means you really have to take it. You know, I said before, I'm not looking at a title run. It's October. There's literally no point in talking about the title in October. It's stupid. Um, but you know, when you've got a team like Manchester City who've won at four out of the last five Premier Leagues and regularly hit 90 plus points a season, you know, it, it, it is a bit ridiculous to to be at this stage and talk about it. You've just got to kind of enjoy the great performances, the way we're playing, and just give the team credit. And you know, it, it's one thing to say, okay, the team's doing well, so update your prize and say, okay, well, now the team looks like it could be in for a title run. Anything less than a title run is bad. You have to look at ultimately what the goal is. The goal is to get Champions League football. And as long as we keep doing what we're doing, we'll do that. Anything more than that is gravy. Um, you know, if we get to April and we're four points clear of City, we can start talking about it. But 
till then, City are the type of team that can win 20 games back to back. So, you know, there there really isn't any um any point in even thinking about that. But what we can do by winning is stay four points clear at the top for another week. And that's all we gotta focus on. And we do that by beating Southampton. And this is a Southampton team that is in a bit of a tricky place. Now, Southampton are chaos energy brought to life. They are a team that can beat anyone on their day. And I mean anyone. But they could also get absolutely pumped. It's just, it's the weirdest thing to, I don't know how Southampton fans do it because they must show up and never know what they're going to see. At the moment, Southampton have kept one clean sheet in their last 11 games. Um, Yeah, and at home, they've now lost seven of their last 11. So, yikes. Um, Both us and Southampton, you know, won in midweek by a score of 1-0. We, of course, beat PSV. Uh, Southampton beat Bournemouth with a pretty good uh, Che Adams header. Um, Really well done. And he's a player who's improved a lot in, in the last couple of years. So, he'll be a danger for them to a degree, I think. Um, but look, that win for Southampton means they've broke a five-game winless run, um, which is good for their manager, Hassan Hutal, who I, who I quite like. Don't get me wrong, I don't like him as like a future someone to be looked at at Arsenal or anything like that. But someone we've always had a bit of a soft spot for as a manager, just because of his footballing principles, even if he's had a rough go of it at Southampton. Done well, but also had a rough go at the same time. Do you see what I mean about Southampton and Chaos Energy? He's done well with them, but also been bad. So I don't, I, you know, anyway, not the point. Point is, he's been under a lot of pressure. Um, so they've been doing, they were doing well, um, but they were having a pretty rough time. Now they're up to about 14th, I think. So, you know, they're going to want to try and get separation between them and the relegation zone because this looks like one of those seasons where, you know, anyone could get caught in that scrap. You know, Villa aren't far off it. Everton aren't far off it. You know, um, established Premier League teams look like they get, they could get pulled into it with ease. So um, they're definitely going to be up for it. Um, and look, that that Che, che Adams header was only the third goal that Southampton scored in their last 540 minutes of top flight football. Um, so yeah, you, you can imagine Southampton fans aren't happy, but Let's see if we can't just add to their misery. I think that's the point that we're going for this season. Um, look, I said that Southampton could beat anyone. They beat Chelsea early in the season. They uh, had a brilliant performance against Manchester United, but um, didn't get the points in the end that they deserved. Um, but we've seen them get absolutely pumped by the likes of City and Liverpool in the past as well. Um, so let's see what we can do. Um, last season, of course, we lost... This game, 1-0. Um, was it 1-0? I've, 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 obviously, I've blocked it out. I know we lost because it was in that ridiculous run. But in any case, this was one of those games that we shouldn't have lost last season that we did. Um, so we'll need to put that right. We've I spoke about the 1-0 against PSV. We've sort of connected with our roots as Arsenal, as Arsenal Football Club, um, even from last season with the number of narrow victories that we've got, you know, in recent weeks, we saw the 1-0 against Berda, 1-0 against Leeds and 1-0 against PSV. Um, so that's three 1-0s in a row, all of them in very different circumstances and difficult circumstances, save for PSV, who quite frankly, it's a 1-0 scoreline, but we absolutely fucking dominated them. So how that finished 1-0 is beyond me. Um, but ultimately, regardless of all of that, winning is the name of the game. Um, and following Liverpool beating City last week, um, and that four-point gap that we now have, 
every win we get just means that we have that distance, not just between us and City, but us and Chelsea, us and Liverpool, us and Spurs. The longer we can keep those gaps there, if there is any issues with injury or schedule congestion or anything like that, and we drop the odd point here or there, we have enough of a buffer to keep that top four place secure. And I know that sounds silly when you've gone, you know, October, uh, you know, sort of with a 100% win record in all competitions and you're sitting top of the league and you're looking at this team and you're seeing how well they're playing and you're thinking to yourself, you know, a title run could be on the on the cards. We have to be pragmatic and go game by game. And so all I'm thinking is for every win we get, for every point we get, for every bit of separation we get, that means we're closer and closer to achieving our goal early and earlier in the season. And once we've done that, then we can look at whatever else there is to do. So that's how it is in my head. Um, so that's what I'm thinking about. Um, and look, this is our best start to a Premier League season uh, ever, you know, in Premier League history. So we're doing something right. And it shouldn't be underestimated how well these boys are playing. And it shouldn't be underestimated how much of a step up we've made, both due to the um, additions we've made to the squad with the likes of Jesus and Zinchenko, but also with the players we already had and the squad we've built over the last few years, everyone getting one year older, you know, that bit better, physically stronger, and having more understanding of how they play with each other and how they do what Arteta wants them to do. So everything is sort of coalescing into a bright and wonderful future. So we just have to kind of keep it going. And we do that by focusing on the game in front of us, which is, of course, is Southampton. So with that point, you know, one of the things that is going through my mind here is more of the same, right? You could argue that, you know, a bunch of 1-0 victories might suggest that there's a little bit of fatigue setting in, particularly with how grueling this October schedule is. Um, but, you know, you can't sniff an eight-game win streak. You really can't. So, you know, we go to Southampton. We've scored a league-high 10, you know, um, conceded a, lo- a league low three um, away from home. So 10 scored, three conceded um, away, the best in the league, really, when you look at it like that. So going away isn't a problem for us. Um, now, of course, because they're in a tricky spot, they have a decision to make about how they want to play this game. Southampton have a very direct style of play. I don't imagine they're going to change up their system much. If anything, if they do change up their system, it's less to do with dealing with us and more to do with the ridiculous amount of injuries they've developed in a short space of time. Um, So I'll I'll talk a bit more later on about what they might do and how they might approach us. Um, But this is going to be an interesting time for them because, of course, coming up, they've got the likes of Newcastle um, and Liverpool, I think. So they really need those points against Bournemouth and they're going to be hoping that they can sneak some points of us Um, because, you know, if they lose to us and Newcastle and Liverpool, that puts them right back in the relegation scrap and that is exactly what they don't want. Now, of course, Southampton are a club with which we've done much business in the past. Um, Theo Walcott is still there. Yep, you may have uh, forgotten that he exists, but Theo Walcott is still at Southampton. Um, He was a good signing for them. Uh, but hasn't been seen much. He did score against us for Southampton, actually. That really pissed me off. He got a goal at the Emirates, I think. Um, But yeah, so he came off the bench uh, for uh, Southampton against Bournemouth. 
I am not expecting him to start this game. I would be amazed if the Walker was starting for Southampton. But again, given their injuries, you never know how Hassan Uwe might shake it up. Um, he does look like he's getting more of a role in terms of um, being involved in the backroom stuff and the coaching and le- leading warm-ups and that kind of thing. So you can kind of see, given his age and experience, the direction his career is heading. But that's no bad thing for Southampton when it comes to dealing with us. But ultimately for us, really, this is just about more of the same. Head down, you know, play your play, stick to the positional play principles, attack those five channels, move the ball around, and this Southampton team will give you chances. They, they just will. It's a young side. They're missing key players. They're in a bad way. You know, be ruthless, be relentless, put your foot on their necks, and, uh, yeah, get that win. Um, and in doing that, one of the big questions I know everyone's having, of course, and because of, you know, how this season's going, how well we're doing, how worried everyone is, you know, whenever you're doing well, you're just looking at what's around the corner that, that could fuck it up. Given the World Cup in the middle of the season and how truncated the fixtures are, everyone's talking about rotation against, you know, consistency and selection and what's the right balance to strike. And to be fair to Arteta, eight wins in a row, flawless October, on the one hand, you could argue that means he's got it right. On the other hand, it means you could argue that he's overloading on certain players to front load that success with the risk of potential injury, fatigue, whatever on the back end. And, you know, maybe he's thinking, get the wins early, put as much distance so that if something happens on the back end of the season, we built up enough of a gap that we can weather that storm and still achieve our aims. You never really know, really. I don't really think he's thinking in those terms if you listen to him. And I I tend to, I think with Arteta, he's a very straight shooter in terms of what he says in press conferences. Um, He has a, he's had one or two moments where he's just talking absolute nonsense. But for the most part, I think he's, he's, he's a pretty straight shooter. If anything with Arteta, it's the things he doesn't say that gives you a bit of an insight into sort of where he's being a bit, um, where he's trying to be a bit uh, crafty. But, listening to him talk it sounds to me like he's just thinking you send the team out that you think is best equipped to win the game in the circumstances and you get as many points as you can and that's it and you just focus on one game at a time and i can kind of believe that's the approach he's taking um he named a strong side for the psv game um which i think tells you that he wanted to get the job done on that night in terms of guaranteeing qualification to the group stage and putting us in the the driver's seat for that top spot, which we need to avoid an extra set of fixtures in February, playing the team parachuting in from the Champions League. Um, He started the game with the likes of Shaka, Bakayo Saka, Gabriel Jesus. All of them started. Um, Gabriel, of course, was in the starting lineup as well. And again, given our dominance in that game, you could see it was the right idea. Pretty much from the first few minutes of that game, PSV were shook and did not want it and didn't even really bother trying. They had a couple of sort of jaunts up the pitch with uh, Xavi Siemens, but beyond that, they did not want it, um, which was somewhat surprising. But at the same time, look, given how we're playing, yeah, I'm not surprised they didn't want to expose themselves to the absolute beating they would have taken if um, if they did if they did come out. Um, but yeah, on that point of rotation versus consistency, um, Arteta had some really interesting comments about Bukayo Saka, where he said, look, at the top, plays um sorry look if you look at the top players in the world they play 70 matches every three days and make the difference and win the game if you want to be at the top you have to be able to do that and this is something that i've been saying all season i think we get a bit too worried about injuries understandably not because they haven't derailed us in the past we saw injuries to party and tierney derail our seasons pretty much two seasons in a row 
So it's not like those concerns come out of nowhere. You know, we have priors for this. Um, you know, we could go as far back as Bantero Arsenal with the likes of, um, you know, injuries to Riziki and Eduardo and Diaby and Wilshire and Ramsey and, you know, all of these injuries that, that had a material impact on where we finished in, in league seasons. Um, so I think you you can understand why people are getting a bit twitchy. If, and also, you know, we have a history of overburdening young players, um, but that was a different Arsenal to this one. I mean, it was under a different manager, a different setup, different executive structures. I don't want to say it was a different club, but a lot of things were different. Um, so you can't just compare the two and say, that's something we do. It's a completely different set of circumstance. But we have in the past overburdened young players, which has led to them having um, potentially contributed, should I say, you don't cause, you know, correlation and causation, let's not uh, be hyperbolic, but has contributed to uh, fitness issues in the future. So again, it's understandable that people have concerns. My personal feeling is we want this team to be Champions League level. We want to push for a title run. Well, then these players have to be able to play every three days. And if they can't do it, it means they can't do it. That's kind of the point, right? If you if you're trying to do if you're trying to go for the big stuff and your players can't do it, then your players can't get you the big stuff. That's that's just what it is. So you can't look at these players and go, look how much potential they have, but then not play them because you want them to fulfill their potential, because the only way they fulfill their potential is by playing the games. So you it's one or the other, right? You're not gonna you're gonna you're not gonna push for a title challenge or you're not going to play Champions League football if Marquinhos and Reese Nelson are starting Premier League matches on a regular basis. It's just not going to happen. So, and equally, at some point, you know, you're not going to be able to play, uh, I don't know, Rule Waters or Ethan Nwaniri for 90 minutes in the Europa League just so you don't have to play the likes of Tommy Asu or Erdegaard. It's just, realistically, you're going to need your first team players to play regularly and to be fair to Arteta he rotates fairly heavily I know, I know it doesn't feel like it but you know coming in for the Europa League games are Matt Turner Rob Holding um, you know Marquinhos has played Reese Nelson's come in Eddie starts Vieira started recently um, Lokonga started so there's a decent number of rotations there's at least anywhere between five to seven players who rotate into the starting 11 for the Europa League so he is rotating so um, I think the reality is it's something we just have to accept it's something we have to get used to I've spoken a lot about um, the fact that as football fans and football in general has to get used to the top level game being a squad game and stop looking at it from the point of view of starting 11s you have to look at it from the point of view of squad it's not if you're starting 11 can win you the game it's if your match day squad can win you the game it's not if your match day squad can win you the league it's if your squad can win you the league and so to achieve our aims we have to look at whether our squad is good enough to do that and i think we all know we're a couple of players short of being where we want to be with the squad to be able to maintain um, any kind of challenge long term but if we can get to November World Cup break you know the players who aren't going to the World Cup go to you know warm weather training um, I think we can then start to have a look at the January transfer window and see okay is this a window where we're just going to kind of keep going on with what we've got because the, the money's too much or are there some uh, talents that we've identified that we think can really 
bolster this squad and help us push for 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 what uh, for our aims. So I'll be interested to see how the club manage that whole situation. Um, but for now, it's about what we're going to do in this next game and the weeks coming up. Um, and I suspect that I'm not expecting any kind of heavy rotation for Southampton in terms of our typical starting eleven in the Premier League. I think our starting eleven is going to be what it is. The only question is, is it Tomiyasu, Tierney or Zinchenko? Depending on Zinchenko's fitness. Um, I think if Zinchenko's fit, he plays. If he's not, it's Tomiyasu because Tierney played a good chunk of the game in, in the Europe League. So I don't see him doing like back-to-back like that, you know. So um, I think Tomiyasu's back in, even though he plays in the Europa League as well. Um, so, yeah. Also, from the point of view of just getting over the line and achieving our ambitions... I suspect that um, rather than rotate, Arteta is going to want to go strong against PSV next week um, because after that he's got you know Nottingham Forest, FC Zurich before playing Chelsea. So he may want to front load the minutes onto important players to enable rotation for Forest and Zurich. So some of the players who have had a lot of minutes for October can have some respite before Chelsea rather than losing to PSV, for example, needed to get the bids done against Zurich and thinking, don't take the risk of rotating heavily, get everyone in before the Zurich game and suddenly you're given heavy minutes in the Europe League and then when you go up against Chelsea. So I suspect that we're going to see some strong uh, lineups next week as well in the Europe League, but it is what it is. Um, also, I think, you know, we've had some key injuries that have meant that rotation hasn't been as much of an option as maybe Arteta might have liked. You know, if Elneny had been fit, maybe he's playing at the six and Lokonga's rotated in as an eight instead of Shaka. Um, you never know. Smith Rowe means if he if he was fit, he's playing and Martinelli's not, you know. So these are minutes that we've not been able to kind of share around because some key players have been injured and are still injured. And when we get them back, who knows? I mean, it's the second half of the season. So as we progress in the Europa League, you're definitely not trying to rotate as much then because you're playing the knockout rounds and you want to win them. So what does that mean for our Premier League campaign when we're having to play our best 11 pretty much every three days? It's just something we're going to have to get used to. So... You know, better now while the games are manageable and winnable than just trying to get the team used to it right in the thick of it in the second half of the season. So we'll see. Um, hopefully some of those players who are out, out uh, injured can come back soon and we can get back to, to being able to kind of display the full talents on show because I do think we've pl- missed players like Smith Rowe. 10 goals last season. I think there's a degree to which people have forgotten how good he is and how good he can be. And you throw him to, into the mix of this team and I think we've got something special um, more so. So let's see. Um, managers had their press conferences and, you know, Arteta spoke about squad rotation um, and he said, we are going to rotate the squad, but I cannot change 11 players in the lineup every three days. It's crazy. And we don't have enough numbers to change 11 players in every game. We were with 15 or 16 outfit plays in the last four or five weeks. So players are going to have to play. We want robust players. They're going to have to start doing that early in their careers. And that's another point. This is a young side that we have. You know, when you look at the age of some of our players, a lot of them, 23, 24, 25, 22, 21, 20, there are, you know, we've got Shaka and Partey sort of 29 or 30, or maybe even 30. Shaka's birthday gone by. I think they might both be 30. In any case, most of our players are 25 or under. So if you if you're gonna if you're gonna expect them to be able to maintain this kind of intensity throughout their career, get them started early. Um, obviously, you have to manage that within reason. I'm not saying you play them 90 minutes every three days, regardless. I'm saying you just have to manage it. Um, and on managing it, you know, uh, Arteta spoke about Saka and Martinelli. 
Uh, Martinelli had a bit of a rough week in terms of illness, I think, so he didn't train the, at some point last week. Um, and Saka, of course, got that rake down to the calf, which, despite everything I've just said, had me in a panic and telling Arteta to get him off the field immediately. Um, but yeah, I don't think I was alone in that, to be fair. But um, but yeah, apparently both are fine. And so we should hopefully expect to see them playing this weekend, starting against Southampton. Um, you also spoke about Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who, of course, is on loan to Southampton and had a somewhat indifferent start and has now stepped up and been a really important player for them. Um, he can't play because he's obviously um, match-tied in terms of uh, where his parent club, so he can't play against us. And Arteta said, obviously, he won't be able to play against us. Um, and he hasn't played that much, but hopefully he can get minutes and pick up some more momentum because we need him to play. And on and when asked whether Maitland-Niles has a future, he says, well, the future that he has right now is the present. The most important thing for him is to get in there, get his place and start to perform at the level that he can. Um, and when asked about what Maitland-Niles needs to do, needs to work on to get back to his best, Artes simply said that's something for his manager now to provide the answer because he's not with us. He needs to focus on the present, which is the most important thing for his future. And I think that's the right message. It's not to try and, you know, suggest that, it's not to try and create headlines by suggesting that, oh, if he does this and that, he'll come back in or he has no chance with us or anything like that. Stay away from all those comments. For Maitland-Niles, after, you know, a couple of years of faff, not all of his own making, I personally think, but in large part informed by things he didn't do rather than things he did do, I think. Um, and by that, I mean, I think he had an opportunity to make right back his. Uh, whether or not he would have stayed there, because when you look at, the players we've brought in and the profile of player that we're playing at fullback, whether we would have kept his spot there, I don't know, but he had an opportunity to do that. And again, I've said this before and I've said it again, I think his quote about playing right back was completely misquoted um, by the majority of people and was not seen in the context of when it was given at the time. But that being said, it's clear that whatever he did do, what he didn't do was make the position is because not long after we brought in Cedric and there is no reason for Cedric to be at our club um, because Maitland-Niles could have had that spot and then gone on to either move on and make us some money or, you know, earn his spot in midfield if he thinks he's good enough. But whatever the case may be, he's now at a decent club. Southampton have a young side. They're letting him play in midfield. It's for him to show what he can do. And in the last couple of games, he started to do that. Um, so let's see what he does. But, much like yourselves listening, I doubt he's going to have much of a future at Arsenal, to be honest. That's personal opinion. I think at this stage in his career, what are the chances of him breaking it? I mean, he struggled to break into the Arsenal side of the last couple of seasons. What are the chances of him breaking into this Arsenal side? I, I think that's tough for him. But we'll see. You never know. Football's a funny game. Um, uh, in terms of Southampton, Hassan who had his press conference. He was just talking about... Um, what they're going to need to do to recover. They've had an extra day on us in terms of recovery. And he just spoke about the, how well we've been doing, but the fact they have to believe in themselves, that's all well and good. But I think what they probably need to do is work on um, their positional discipline because looking at how they play and the way they've been playing, if we string together the passes that we have, then you know we're going to cut them up like sashimi. So yeah, good luck with that. I don't mean that really. I hope we absolutely annihilate them, particularly because of uh, what happened last season. Yeah, I said it, I'm petty. Um, anyway, listen, end of part one. We'll come back for part two. We'll talk about some of the important players, some of the stats, styles of play and all of that. So catch you on the other side. 
Welcome back to part two of the Hybrid Club. Hope you're all good people. Um, so we finished part one. We just finished talking about the press conferences of the managers. I'm going to start talking about some of the important players, stats um, and styles of play. So basically for Arsenal, important players are our entire front line. So I'm talking Jesus, Shaka, Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka, all of them. Um, and I'll make this succinct, really. Um, because of Southampton's style of play, which we'll go on to talk about, um, one of the things that you'll find is they are comfortable trying to build out from the back, not in the sense that they're very, very good at it, but in the sense that despite being a very direct team, they can have a tendency to um, work the work the ball up the field from the back and then try to get it wide for the cutback. Basically, they don't have many tricks in their arsenal to um, try to get the win. They're a direct team, dribbly team, hard runners, young team. Um, they're not as pressy as they used to be. So this game is not going to be about Southampton's build-up play and how they, they go about it. This is going to be about our ability to stick to our positional play and dominate them. If you look at their loss to Manchester City, for example, it's Manchester City. I know, I know, I know, but hear me out. Um, Man City, of course, they use positional play and they attack the five channels. And what you saw was um, with the quality of their passing, and it is Man City's passing, I know, but with the quality of their passing um, and their style of passing, they were able to rip uh Southampton's team shreds and it wasn't just the it wasn't just the passing it was the positions that they occupied on the pitch so you saw um Cancelo would come up um build up with the ball you know he managed to bag himself a goal for the game but he was also able to find players unmarked on the back post because four of the other players in the attacking channels drew the Southampton players to one side of the pitch leaving an overload on the other side of the pitch and because they have a young side and their defense isn't great um, you know, their positional discipline was non-existent. And so, um, you know, City had the overload. I think with our style of play, don't be surprised to see some of those big switches when we move them about, get them to sort of follow our players in those attacking channels. And then you might see Martinelli have an overload on the left or you might see Saka have an overload on the right. And then it's just about whether or not, for example, Saka supported by Ben White on the overlap and decides to cut in or go for, or, or give the ball for the overlap or underlap, whether Martinelli rotates with Jesus and Chaka, um, or whether that intricate, intricate passing in that front line just cuts through. Either way, our positional play will be the thing that wins it for us. Um, we just have to keep that ball moving, keep passing, keep our players rotating, keep attacking those attacking channels, moving them about. We'll create the space and then it's just about finishing it off. So really, we need our finishing boots on because as long as we stick to our uh, principles of football, as long as we keep doing that positional play, we will get the chances. We need players to have their, their shooting boots on. So we've had three weeks of 1-0 to the Arsenal. We need this game to be a two or three. Um, we don't want to, We you know, they're desperate for the win. We don't want to get into the 80th, 80th minute here, nil-nil, looking for a goal. We will have the chances because, quite frankly, their defence is not going to be able to handle our passing and our movement if we do it the right way. So let's just keep doing it the right way. We'll get the chances. And if we take them, it's game over. Um, I'm not someone for ever thinking there's easy games in the Premier League. Southampton are not an easy team to play, but when they're not good, they are not good. That That's the one thing you'll say about Southampton. When they're not on form, they are eminently get-attable. 
But that's the thing about Southampton. You just kind of don't know what Southampton's going to show up. Um, for them, important players, che- players, Che Adams, brilliant goal against Bournemouth last week. Uh, sorry, a couple of days ago even. Um, he's really improved a lot. Um, Scot- Scotland international, uh, good finisher, works hard, decent pace, good strength, low centre of gravity. Um, when they work the ball wide, they'll be looking for the cutback and they'll be looking for him to get on the end of it. Um, so he will be a threat. But, you know, when you look at how our defence is performing, we are one of the most frugal defences in the league, if not the most frugal, three goals conceded away from home. We have more than enough to handle him and whatever else Southampton throw us, particularly with their injuries. One threat they do have, of course, which is difficult to handle, is Ward-Prowse from set pieces. They're not great at defending set pieces, but we know he can score a free kick, so we're going to want to do our best to avoid giving away any silly fouls in and around the box because, you know, for all your good play and all your dominance, if you can see the free kick, it's just one of those things. Um, but for me, really, if we're talking about Southampton's important players, for me, it's more about the players who probably won't be available. So the likes of Maitland-Niles, um, who has started to perform well for them, who, uh, yeah, won't be available. Lavia in central midfield, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant player. Um, someone who I think will uh, be attracting the attention of a top team very, very soon. Very young player. Um but has bags of talent in central midfield, a pure central midfield in the strictest sense of the term, decent going both ways, but very, very good um, attacking player. Recently got his first goal in the win against Chelsea with a beautiful cold shot um, from midfield. Uh, yeah, he's only 18 years old. He spent, you know, the better part of nearly, a, I think, nearly a decade at Anderlecht um, before joining Man City's youth set up. He was there for maybe a year or so, a couple of years tops. Um, and then, yeah, signed for Southampton. And he's been brilliant since he walked through the door, um, really highly rated. And, you know, I'm hearing rumours that maybe Chelsea might be interested in him, but then Chelsea are interested in everyone, right? Todd Bowley really is just chucking his money about the place like he's just won the lottery. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But he's, he well, he's back. Um, he's back available, but is severely lacking match fitness. So it would be... It would be a sign of desperation if Hassan Hootel played him, or he'd either have made a miraculous recovery. Um, so I'm not expecting to see him play at best on the bench coming off, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Bella Kochip, another player, um, signed from uh, Bochum in Germany, a defender, big, strong, brilliant tackler, brave, had a brilliant performance against Manchester United where he not only you know, performed brilliantly in terms of defence, but really could have got a couple of goals as well. Looks really promising for them. Um, he's dislocated his shoulder, so he's out. So there's a number of players that are important for Southampton who are not playing. So not only would I expect us to go to a Southampton and beat them anyway, because we are Arsenal and they're Southampton, they're a Southampton side missing some key players in a bad in a bad run of form. Um, if there's ever a time to beat a team like Southampton, this is the run. So we know that strange things can happen in football. You know, last season we saw us go through brilliant runs of winning games only to lose a random game that we shouldn't lose. This season, different team, different Arsenal, different style of play. Well, not a different style of play, but somewhat different style of play. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm expecting the win, to be honest. I would be surprised by anything less. Um, you know, we touched on some of the stats quickly. In terms of Premier League, we played 10, won 9, lost 1, drawn none because we don't know what draws are. We scored 24 and only conceded 10. 
Um, we have the best defensive away record in the division. As I said, um, conceding three goals and keeping four clean sheets. Um, that's defensive away record. Um, we're also the only side to have scored in every Premier League game this season. So I'm expecting us to score goals. And I, for me personally, if we bag more than one goal in this game, they're not they're they're not bagging three or four in this game. Not unless something stupid happens. You know, not unless there's a ruck and we see like four players sent off. There's no way that we're conceding three or four. Um, I'm calling it. There's not a chance. Um, we would have to be really, really bad for that to be the case. And we'd have bigger things to talk about if if that was. So let's see what happens. It's, for me, this game is all about how many we put past them, not the other way around. Southampton have played 11, 1-3, drawn uh, 2, lost 6. Um, they've scored 10 goals and conceded 18. Um, yeah, that, that tells you what you need to know. Um, we spoke a little bit about their style of play. As I said, they're a very direct team, a lot of dribbles. Um, they like to get the ball. If they if they can't beat a man on the dribble, they'll certainly work at wide spaces and get the the, the cross into the box, either a low cross or a, a cutback across. And obviously, good with free kicks, bad at defending set pieces, really. Um, in the Bournemouth game, uh, there was a particular corner kick where one of the Bournemouth players was literally just alone in the penalty area, free header, and, and missed it. Um, they do that a lot. Um, they were pressing monsters. They're less pressy now. Um, to be honest, I think if they went, if they if they took after leads and thought they could get us that way, I don't think they're anywhere near as disciplined in their press as leads are. Leads are really, really coached and disciplined at it. I think if they tried to press us, they might get some, they might get some joy for a little bit and then it would fall apart. And I think if they go deep block, you know, they're gonna have to go proper deep block. I'm talking nine men behind the ball, one person up top trying to sprint off the halfway line. Anything other than a fully committed deep block, and we're going to ruin them. So um, let's see what happens. Like I said, they're a young side. They work hard, but they're missing some key plays, and they're in a bad way. So we really should be able to, to get them. And I spoke about our positional play, you know, getting the five uh, attacking players into those attacking channels, spread the back four out, and create spaces that we can exploit. You know, intricate passing in front of the defense to pop it behind them. You know, um, triangles on the right, rotation on the left. Um, We've seen how much joy we get out of that in some of the goals we've scored in recent seasons, uh, sorry, in recent games. So more of that, more of the same. Keep the passing intricate, keep it accurate. Don't lose the ball in central spaces for them to to, to counter. Um, you know, with the way our fullbacks invert in midfield and our uh, centre-backs provide support, we can really overload the midfield central areas to retain the ball and build up um, and just put them under constant pressure. So... Um, our movement and our passing is really the point. It is the positional play. It is those attacking channels. It is occupying those uh, defenders, making the move, creating those gaps, and then exploiting them with passing or with, with individual brilliance. That's what it's about. Like I said, if we were to 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 um, not pick up the win, I would be surprised. And I think this is where we have to put the 1-0 to the Arsenal run to the end and put two or three past them. But a win is a win. Give me a 1-0 and I will take it with a smile. Um I certainly am always grateful for my dinner, whether it be, you know, grade A gruel or uh, caviar. I'll, t I'll take whatever I can get as long as I get my meal. And uh, yeah, Southampton are very much a munch, so we need to uh, get our fill. So in terms of lineups, spoke about the Southampton situation. They're without Walker-Peters, who got injured against Bournemouth, without Bella Kochap, as I've said. Um, I think Livermento is out as well. Obviously, he spoke about Lavia, who would be unlikely to start given long-term hamstring injury. No Maitland-Niles, of course. Um, 
So they may have to call up uh, one of, a right back from their academy. I think they've got an 18 year old called Lewis Payne. Um, or they've got Elian Nusi who can play as a wing back in the 3 5 2. So they might do that. But I fully expect to see Diallo, Ward Prowse, and uh, Stuart Armstrong in their midfield. As for us, looks like Bakai Saka's fine after PSV, but we're still without Anneni Smith Rowe yet to be seen about Zinchenko. Um, but yeah, Tommy Asu's there. Martelli's good. So yeah, I think we know what the squad's going to be for us. Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Tommy Asu. Shaka, Party Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, Jesus. Um, I don't do predictions for scorelines, but as I said, I would be amazed if we don't win it, and I'd be surprised if we win it by a single goal. But let's see what happens. As I said, I've I've watched enough Premier League to know that just when you think you've you've got something figured out, something quirky happens, and yeah, things change. Which is why, as I've said for this season, I'm just enjoying the ride because too much can happen. Too, too much can happen. So we'll see. Um, in other news, in the Arsenal, of course, fantastic news on Friday. Um, Gabriel signed a new contract until 2027. We know that there's been interest from him from the likes of uh, Juve, so it's great to lock him down. I know there's been a lot of talk recently about him. I'm not having it, quite frankly. I'm just I'm just saying it. I'm not having any Gabriel slander. He, of course, is a player who's plays on the edge and very emotional and high intensity, but like you don't want to take that out of his game. You don't want to take that out of him as a person in terms of his personality on the pitch. So I'll take it. And for people who are comparing him to the likes of Mustafi, you have very, very short memories. If you think Gabriel is anything like Mustafi, I, I cannot begin to stress enough how that comparison is incredibly insulting to a player of Gabriel's talents. Um, realistically, he has been absolutely crucial to our ability to build the squad we've built. He's pretty much always near the top of our passing stats in terms of um, pass completion, um, progressive passes and things like that. He is so crucial to how we play. We have a 63% win, possession, uh, win percentage with him, which drops to 37% without him. Um, I, quite frankly, am not interested in having a conversation with anyone who thinks he's a bad defender or a liability. You may think that he needs to calm down a bit. Sure, fair enough. But like, no, he's been he's been brilliant since he came since day one. And we are very, very lucky that he plays in the red away of Arsenal. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen um, Groundhog Day. You better have if you haven't. I don't know what to tell you. But there's a scene grad all day, Bill Murray's talking to one of the characters because he's, you know, he's just gone through it so many times. And he just says, Ned, I'd love to stand here and talk with you, but I'm not going to. And that's exactly how I feel about uh, any of the Gabriel conversation about him being a liability or anything like that. Absolutely not having it. Top player. Happy to hear that he's um, signed up. And now on to the likes of Saka, Martinelli and, um, and uh, Saliba, who we need to get signed up. Um, I'm pretty confident about signing all three up, to be honest. Saliba's the only one that, you know, I'm a little less certain about, shall we say, um, simply because, you know, we're getting to that stage where he could have one year left on his deal and he's going to have options, right? He could go to the World Cup and has a very good chance of lifting it with with France if he, if he does well. So he might want to see what his options are, but I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be able to lock him down. He's having a great time. We're top of the league you know, playing for us. He got into the France squad while playing for Marseille, but he's maintained his place in the France squad playing for us. He's playing, you know, in the Premier League week in, week out. He's an important player. The fans love him. You know, he seems to be enjoying himself in the city and at the club. Um, so why move? Particularly after he's moved so much, you know, he was 
obviously with Seth Etienne, you know, joined us, went back to Seth Etienne on loan, you know, went to Nice, went to Marseille. He's moved around a lot in the last few years and obviously had a lot going on in his personal life as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if enjoying his football and enjoying his time, he just settles down. So I'm not really worried about the Saliba contract, obviously, until it's done. You never say never, but at the moment, at least, I'm not worried. We'll see how things go. But yeah, great news about the Gabriel contract. Let's just get the other three signed up and then we can focus on whoever else we need to lock down because eventually there's going to have to come a time when we have to sell some of these players. Um, But what we want to do, number one, is be in a position to be able to sell the players we want to sell for a good price. And there are definitely a couple of names I can think of in the squad where that might be the case. Um, but we also it also means that if we do have to sell one of the players we really love, we want to make sure we get some good money for them. And that means we need to tie them down to long-term contracts on favorable uh, financial terms. So let's see what happens. Anyway, people, that's it from me. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Hybrid Club. You know where to find us on the socials at the Hybrid Club. You know where to find me at C-E-A-S-E-S-A-Y-S. C-E-A-S-E-S-A-Y-S. Um, looking forward to the Southampton game. Get in touch. Let me know your thoughts, what you're expected to see, what your predictions are. Um, we'll have another episode out, I think, on Monday uh, following the Southampton game. May come out Sunday night, but thinking Monday. Um, and then, of course, we'll have a preview of the PSV game. Um, in midweek, I think on Wednesday. So anyway, people, um, you know what to do, uh, you know, like, retweet, repost, all of that good shit on social media, you know that shit, I don't really give a fuck about all of that. But do leave us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, would be really appreciated. And do get in contact, you know, if you've got any questions that you want us to discuss, you know, hit us up, give us some questions, let us know what you're thinking. Um, But anyway, people, enjoy your weekend, enjoy this uh, round of fixtures, and more importantly, Let's hope we can uh, enjoy another Arsenal win to keep our October spotless. In a bit, people. In a bit.